So, Kiss, with a nat 20, you notice that you're in a podcast called Magic Folk. Ah, who are you? Who are you talking to? Are you okay? Hey, don't mess with us. I'm Kiss the Shark Killer, God Slayer. Yeah, we know. And Syndra could turn into a lion again and maul you. That was self-defense. And Burnin kissed a dude so good that it tore a hole in reality. That's really personal. Who cares? If you want a butt whooping, come to at Magic Folk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Slide into my DMs. Shadowy conspiracies, ravening beasts, the cold embrace of the void. These are just some of the dangers awaiting those who stand between the innocent and the multitudes ready to destroy everything we believe in. And the way our heroes roll, whether in Warhammer 40,000, Delta Green, Numenera, or any number of other games we've tried, they'll probably encounter these dangers sooner rather than later. Join us at theredactedfiles.com. Oh, great Morden. Please give me thine divine constitution. <laughs> so that I might drink this pony keg, and then drink from that great stein. And also take a punch to the face. <laughs> Repeatedly. And please let my face recover, as it is my bread and butter. <laughs> In your glorious beard. Heroes not included. A billion years from now, civilization has risen and fallen eight times, leaving the people of the Ninth World to make lives in the ruins of the technology whose secrets have long since been lost. Here, every turn may bring a strange new discovery, and what is familiar might be the greatest threat. The Amberclave seeks to learn, build, discover, and protect all Ninth Worlders. Join us at theamberclave.com. All right, let's introduce ourselves and what we're playing today. So I am Angela. I am from the Fandable podcast. Uh, amongst the many, many, many games that Fandable plays is Star Wars Force and Destiny on the Fandable Solo Shot feed. It is a two-person Star Wars podcast. And because of my abiding love of the Star Wars game for International Podcast Month, I am here to run Star Wars Edge of the Empire for these wonderful, wonderful players. So, take it away, players. Introduce your who you are, what podcast you're on, and uh, who you are playing today. Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> cricket, cricket. It's like, and it goes silent as nobody wants to step up. <laughs> We're all too polite. <laughs> I'm Megan. I am on the Redacted Files podcast, and also Amberclave, which is a Numenera podcast, and... I am playing Isil Khan, who is a Nautilin bounty hunter. I think that's everything about her so far. <laughs> I'll go next. I am Grayson, and I am from the Heroes Not Included podcast, where I play Aspen Tamble. For this podcast, I am playing this Gandzeth, who is a scholar colonist, and um, yeah, Geth, or er, Gand. I'm going to confuse myself. I need to get that straight real quick. <laughs> My name is Victoria Watkins. I am from the Magic Folk Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition podcast. I play Burn and Leadsetter the Bard on that show. And today I'm going to be playing a human explorer fringer. I don't know how this works. This is my first time with the system, uh, but uh, their name is Zora. Just Zora. Well, we are going to teach you as we go how it works. It is a lot of fun, as we were saying before we actually started recording. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to figure out what our destiny point pool is for this session. And the way we do that is each of you individually is going to roll one force die. And that is the white, I think it's technically a D12. Ooh, I got one dark side point. Ooh. I got two light side. I got uh, one light side. Very nice. 
So that means our pool for this game is going to start at three light side points, one dark side point. That means as we start, you guys have three points to use to upgrade your dice, to upgrade the difficulty for my dice, and to make the world go the way you want it to go. Whereas I only have one point to use at the moment to mess with you guys a little bit. But as this game goes, that economy is in flux. So every time you use a point, that gives one for me. If I use a point, that gives one to you. Since we are not physically all around the same table, I'm just kind of keeping notes. And if you're ever like, oh, do I have points to use? I'll just chime in and be like, yes, you have this many. Or no, you don't. Ha ha ha. The GM is in control. <laughs> so. The three of you, as a little bit of background setting, are either in the Rebel Alliance or you are at least friendly to the Rebels. That might mean that you have a philosophical agreement with the Rebels, or maybe you just like the Rebels' money. There is no wrong reason, really, for working with the Rebels. At this point, they will take whatever help they can get. We're set about two years before the Battle of Yavin, so the Rebellion is certainly underway, but this is pre-Rogue One, so there are no Death Star plans. The Rebellion isn't very well organized. Nobody's a really strong leader that has stepped forward. Everyone is is nervous about what full-on rebellion in the galaxy would mean. However, Isil Khan, you have been contacted by somebody within the rebellion. I'm trying to, I'm blanking on her last name. Galnuri Tand. There we go. I was mixing up our consonants. It also ended with an A-N. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Galnuri Tand is another Nautilin who is very well connected within the Rebellion. And she reached out to you because a contact of hers, who she refuses to name, has discovered a luxury cruise liner that has drifted far off course from its original destination of Naboo. And the people on board have been exposed to a Tier 2-4 deadly nerve gas. They were exposed to a gas that has previously been known to be 100% lethal. And before you die from it, you go completely stark raving mad. But Galnuri Tan's contact says that they have synthesized a treatment for this. So Galnuri Tand needs you to collect a couple of people to go with you to this ship, the Pulsar Quest, and disseminate this cure within the the air system of the ship. Also, you should know because this is a luxury cruise ship and it's uh you know it's well off course. It's it's been drifting in space. Salvage rights are in play. So you are encouraged maybe is too strong of a word but if you were to take some things from the ship that could be beneficial to the rebellion <laughs> either like materially because you know it you know, find jewels that would be excellent or because it's something that could be sold for money to use the rebellion that would be a good thing is she willing to pay me on top of anything i managed to acquire while there galnuri chuckles a little bit. There will be a small stipend. I'm afraid the details of it haven't been worked out. Mostly this is a mission of mercy. It is to prove that the rebellion looks out for everyone in the galaxy. We are not just here for the rough and tumble people of the Outer Rim, but even the nobility, even those who have more credits than sense, 
and waste them on luxury cruises like this one deserve to be looked after in this grand, vast galaxy. I suppose that makes sense. I'll do my best to find some people to help me get out there. Good luck. Time is of the essence. We don't know how long these people will survive without this treatment. How long has it been since they were dosed? As far as we know, it's been about five days. The longest anyone is known to have survived from trilum gas poisoning is one week. All right, well, I think I know some people that should be able to help. Good luck. Aizel, you can decide whether you already know the Gand Zeth and Zora, or it could be you kind of put some feelers out there looking for people that would be willing to take on this mission. It's somewhat dangerous because of the psychosis of the victims involved. Or if you're already buddy-buddy with both of them, then maybe you are a crew that's worked together before and it's just a matter of, you know, getting the gang back together. So Isil doesn't have that much experience, like, actually piloting herself around places. She mostly gets someone else to take her there and then takes care of her bounty hunting while there. She probably has some small network of pilots. Sure. Or people with Zora's abilities that help her get around. Yeah, am I am I a pilot? I don't know <laughs> anymore because I think we changed my career. Oh, yeah. So you are, I'm sorry, you are still a pilot. I just didn't give you the actual pilot career track because it's not all that good for most gaming purposes. Okay. So you're still a pilot. You still have that ability. It was just for a one shot. You didn't need to sink a bunch of points into piloting skills. Okay, cool. So you are a pilot, you have a small ship that is all your own, and it sounds like you work for hire, whoever's willing to pay you. And it sounds like Aizel uh, has paid you before. There's a there's a uh, airbrushed wizard on the side of my spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess like a, I don't know what a Star Wars race says, like a Gungan wizard? <laughs> that works. <laughs> So that's how you know where Zora is. Look for the Gungan wizard on the side of the ship. <laughs> uh, so I, I do see your ship in in whatever port I'm currently in. And I'm like, okay, well, I figured out who my pilot is. <laughs> and since we're going to be dealing with toxins and gases and a bunch of stuff I don't understand, I want to find someone smart to help us too. Well, at that point, you see a gand kind of wander into the same area that you are. And he goes, ah, yes, the wires have led me here. There is something here for me. Um, and he, he's just looking around. <laughs> now, Zeth, some of our listeners might not be familiar with the Gand. They're not kind of a standard Star Wars race. So can you describe for us what the Gand look like and something that makes them very unique? Imagine the metamorphosis, but as a Star Wars race, <laughs> basically, is what it comes down to. They're kind of a hard-shelled, bug-like creature. Some of them have lungs, and some of them don't. In this case, I think I took it so that he has lungs, but he has to have one of those, uh, like, a air tank, basically, for filtering, because he breathe. they breathe a, uh, a different mixture of gases than most other creatures. And um, one of the things that is significant about the Gand is that their religion is kind of omnipresent for them. And they see like symbols and omens in things like oil slicks and wire tangles. And so in this case, you can presume that this Gand Zeth has wandered into this region due to an omen. And there is a linguistic quirk with the Gand. I, I caught you catching yourself with it a couple of times, that the Gand always refer to themselves with they pronouns, and they never refer to themselves with personal pronouns, correct? Like, you will never hear a Gand saying I. That's right. 
That's true. It's going to be it's going to be rough, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I applaud you for even trying. So, yes, Aizel Khan, you see this this gand wandering in declaring that they've been led here for a reason. Aizel doesn't really like hold with, you know, omens and prophecies and that sort of stuff, but she does like that they have a gas mask and we're headed somewhere where a gas mask might be important. So at least Aizel feels that she should talk to the Gand about, you know, where maybe she could purchase a gas mask. So I will say hello. Hello. What what can I can I help you with? Perhaps you are the reason that this Gand has been brought here. Well, mostly I was wondering if you knew where I could get some gas masks like that. Well, this this gas mask is because this Gand cannot breathe air. This Gand has to breathe a, a, a different melange of, of gases. Only Gand have this kind of gas mask. Oh, so you don't know like any gas mask repair people or anything like that on the station? No, this Gand does all of the repairs this Gand needs, but... Are you going somewhere where you need a gas mask? Where are you headed? I'm headed to a salvage opportunity where we're going to be dealing with some, you know, hazardous Ooh. hazardous gases and that sort of thing could come in useful. Ooh. Well, perhaps you can use this GAND. This GAND knows many things. Do you know about ship systems? I can I can listen to them. This GAND can listen to them. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be useful. Uh it's going to be really dangerous though. The, the gases we're dealing with are very toxic and can really mess someone up. This Gand is also skilled at xenobiology. Perhaps this Gand can be useful. I'm not sure how well it's going to pay, but... This Gand gets paid in many ways. <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. So, uh, I think I know someone who can take us there. I saw their ship uh, out outside earlier, so I'm Isol, by the way. Nice to meet you. This Gand is Zeth. I will lead Zeth towards Zora's ship. Hopefully she's home. Yeah, Zora, are, do you hang out on your ship or would there, you're, you're on a, a station, a space station. Would you be hanging out on your ship or would you have wandered off to a cantina or somewhere else? Yeah, is there any like live music or anything yeah. on the station? Is it big enough for that? Yep. So probably Zora's checking out some uh some some rock and rollers or whatever the heck they play here on this little little station. So Isel, when you went over to where the the ship was docked, some workers said, "Oh yeah, saw the captain of this ship, this pilot of this ship." Uh, points towards a, a cantina that is uh, where you can, even as you approach, like you're probably a, a section or two away, you can already hear the music reverberating through the deck plating, the heavy bass of the music. All right. I will head that way then. And inside this cantina, it is dark. It's a little smoky and you're not, you're a little concerned about where smoke might be coming <laughs> from on a space station. <laughs> this doesn't seem like a good thing, but rock and roll, man. Yeah. It demands certain aesthetics. So it's, it's dark. It's smoky. There's piercing lights, like from spotlights that are cutting through the smoke from the stage, just lancing back and forth across the audience. Zora, where are you? Are you in the middle of this crowd or there's a bar near the back where where drinks are being served? Where would you like to be in this mess? 
I'm kind of picturing maybe there's like, you know, those like booths that are kind of like semicircular at restaurants, like mm-hmm. that kind of situation. If there's one of those or has their feet up on the table with some kind of nice glowing sci-fi drink. And if there's a decent view of the stage from there. Yeah. So this is very Han waiting in the Maz Eisley Cantina for Luke and Obi-Wan to show up, just laying back on the table, feet up. So it's on the other side of the room from where you enter, Isil and Zeth, I assume you are following along. So you have to, if you're going to approach this very, like, too cool for school looking person <laughs> sitting there with a drink just enjoying the show, you're going to have to, like, kind of bob and weave through a very energetic crowd, probably take an elbow or two to the to the side ah, from people who are overexcited, and then you approach the table. Can I ask a question? Are there vapes in space? There can be. Space vapes. Yeah, Zora's got a space vape. <laughs> space vape. <laughs> and I want to point out for listeners, I don't have much in the way of development for this character. The The main thing that I wanted to have be a thing for Zora is like a badass, like fringed leather jacket. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's all I'm going on right here is this uh, fringed. And I find it funny, actually, that the skill or whatever is called fringer. That's kind of a nice little irony there. I did remember you specifically wanted a fringed leather jacket, and then I saw Fringer, I was like, this feels like it's meant to be. (laughs) It's a sign. So I guess uh, Zora eyes them as they approach. And you do recognize Aizel from when you've worked together before. She's someone that's hired you before. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be friends. She's just somebody that has paid you for services rendered. Mostly on time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, Zora. You mind if we sit down? (sighs) Yes. (laughs) But do it anyway. How's your ship been? Mostly the same. I got a job I need you for. I figured. Hunting down a luxury liner that's uh, gone off course. Zora puts their uh, feet on the floor in interest and kind of leans forward. It has a bunch of rich people on it who aren't really in control anymore, and so there should be a lot of good stuff to salvage from it. And all we have to do is get there and put some gas in the in the ship system to cure whoever's left. Sounds like a bunch of yuppies. What's this about gas? Uh, some sort of dangerous gas was released into the system and it made everyone go a bit uh, out of their minds. So all we have to do is give them the cure, which uh, I'm going to be able to get a vial of. And we should be safe once we do that. Sounds a little risky. Who's your friend? This is Zeth. Hey, Zeth. Hello. <clears throat> we just met. Yeah, I kind of, kind of got that vibe. Um, you notice that this gam Zeth is looking around at all of the the smoke in the air and the vape coming out <laughs> from Zora, and is 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 nodding knowingly, <laughs> as if listening. Listening to the vape, huh? Mm-hmm. Unlock the vape secrets. So Zora kind of. I guess eyes Zeth a little bit over the uh, rim of of the glass, puts the drink back down on the table, says, well, you know that uh, there's got to be something in it for me. Well, the job's not paying that much, but the salvage opportunities are pretty substantial. And the signs have been fortuitous. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Um... Well, there's not much happening on this, uh... 
on this hunk of metal, so, uh... The band's actually really bad here tonight, and so Zora's <laughs> just bored. Yeah, yeah, I was actually thinking that, too. Maybe Zora's seen this band a few times. Um, maybe they've got, like, several shows booked on this on the station in a row, and so, uh, nobody's really, uh, offering any positions right now, so... I guess let's get going. Excellent. All right, so the three of you go back to Zora's ship. And uh, Isil Galneri Tand did give you the coordinates, or the last known coordinates. The ship was drifting in space, but the coordinates are less than a day old. So if you go to these coordinates, you should be within sensor reading distance of where the ship is. Perfect. I will do. I will give those coordinates to Zora. And Isil uh, Galneri Tand also gave you a layout of the ship. I had in our Discord a link to uh, a map of the Pulsar Quest. So all of you can have access to this that gives you the layout of a couple of decks of the ship, as well as a listing of, of you know, how many decks there are and roughly what can be found on them. So this is a, a Tory question. Has the gas, like, dissipated or, like, is it still hanging around when we get there? Isil, would you have asked Galneri Tand about that? Uh, no, she probably <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> So someone can give me a knowledge roll. It'd be an average difficulty, which is two purple dice. And all of you can make this roll if you would like to figure out if you know anything about this gas that has been affecting this ship. I got one success and two advantages. I figure the scholar would probably be the best person to roll for this. (laughs) Well, I got three pals and then three of the uh, threats. (laughs) So I just got a threat. (laughs) Oh, all right. So, (laughs) Isil, you know absolutely nothing about this gas. Uh, In fact, you know less than nothing as you've been relaying the story of like, oh, this gas has caused some people to go insane. It's actually kind of like a game of telephone. You've been telling it over and over and the details have been exaggerated a little bit over time. So now you're at the point where you're pretty sure that people that have been exposed to this gas not only go out of their mind, but actually start taking on physical mutations. So you're beginning to get a little nervous that you're going to run into like werewolves (laughs) on this ship. I feel like that's fair. That's a good concern to have. Zeth, with your success and one advantage, you know that this gas, it's Trilom gas. It is native to Mustafar. And as I stated earlier, all known people who have been exposed to this have died within one week. There's been no knowledge of any sort of, of treatment or vaccine. Being exposed to this has been known to be just a death sentence. But with an advantage, you also know that it dissipates rather quickly. So it's only in the air for probably a day or so. So it's unlikely to, after five days, it's unlikely to still be out there in the in the atmosphere. And then Zora, you had three successes, it sounds like. Yeah, and three threats. Oh, and three threats. So threats are always weird on on knowledge rolls. Um, but with three successes, you know everything that Zeth does, as well as you know that some people have been experimenting with this Trilom gas from Mustafar, trying to refine it so that it is smokable, basically. Hell yeah! And you are thinking that... If whatever created this exposure on a ship, because why on earth would this gas from the mines of Mustafar ended up 
on a luxury cruise liner, the planet of Mustafar, for anybody that doesn't know. That's where Anakin and Obi-Wan had their final battle <laughs> in the third of the prequel films. So this is like a lava planet. Nothing is here except like <laughs> Vader has a weird palace there now. But it's not a, a place where where rich people would hang out. So why would the gas from Mustafar ended up on this ship? But if you can find out how it did get here... That would be worth a lot of money to the people that you know who are trying to uh, to <laughs> make this smokable. <laughs> okay, or vapeable. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm I'm for this now. <laughs> By threats, they meant plot hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the Zor is mulling this over in their mind and not uh, not making small talk or anything because small talk is for squares. <laughs> So, but you are on the the way to the ship? Evidently. Okay. So it's about a 12-hour journey in in hyperspace to get to the ship, leaving you a day and a half to figure out how to disseminate this treatment for everyone in the ship. Aizel, you got the the cure from Galnuri Tand, and it is just a small vial, and she says it's going to be most effective if it is aerosolized, which basically means put it through the air system of the ship so that it can be cycled into the oxygen supply. And does anybody look up anything else about the, or have any questions about the Pulsar quest before you arrive? I would probably be looking or be encouraging someone who knows ships better than I for where the best place to disseminate from would be. Sure. So you have access to the plans for the ship. And they're like the publicly accessible plan, so it doesn't get into the nitty gritty, like it's that blueprint level detail, but you have the maps of the, the publicly available decks and then a listing of, of everything that's, that is there. And you think that there's a couple of possibilities depending on the exact layout of the ship when you get there. The engine rooms on deck one obviously are a very logical place to start because not only would the engines be down there, but a lot of ship systems ultimately are powered from there. Another possibility is the bridge, as that is where you have many other deck controls. But there's also the possibility that if artificial gravity is still working on the ship, you could just go to the highest point on the ship and let gravity do its job. If you release the gas in the air circulation system on the top deck, eventually it will just be cycled through the rest of the ship. That's probably the slowest option, but it is one of the three options that you think you have. Sounds reasonable. I have a hunch that the air circulation system is not going to be like fully operational. Your your hunch as a as a ship person? Yeah. It seems like our kind of luck, right? That we would get there and it would be a bunch of stagnant air cuz lord knows why. So, what's the what's the vial like? Have we brought it out like can Zora look at it? Isol, what would you do? Would you be willing to share this or do you want to keep it kind of under lock and key? No, I'll share it because I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> so I figure the people who have a better idea should be the ones figuring out what to do with it. So I will let you describe what this vial of life-saving, this this cure looks like. I'll say it's probably a liquid to start because you need to, as I said, aerosolize it. So think of like a spray paint can. So it's going to start as liquid. But is there, you know, is it very ornate and special or is it plain, just utilitarian? What do you think? Oh, it's definitely in, like, the most boring, like, (laughs) flask from the lab that they had. Just, you know, normal tube. It's probably in, like, a couple layers of 
Star Wars styrofoam to like keep it safe. <laughs> Does it need to be chilled or like or or warmed or? I think it needs to be chilled so that when we open the box, there's like the dry ice smoke coming out of it, and the actual liquid itself is like this really gross dark brown color. <laughs> so I uh, got an idea, but I don't know how how much you're gonna like it. I was thinking. Part of me feels like whatever reason all this uh, gas is uh, on this ship, it's uh, possible that uh, more of it might get released. So we could put some of it in uh, one of my vapes so that we can have some on hand so that we don't have to risk spilling out the whole bottle if we need some uh, quick like, you know? Yeah, I would prefer not to get accidentally poisoned. It's up to you. I can, uh, I can, I can prep us up something. I got an extra one. It might... Uh, Tastes a little bit like blueberry after what was in it last, but, uh... Do I know if I need to be concerned about the gas given my breathing mask and special stuff that I need to be breathing anyway? Uh, no, you certainly don't have any concerns about it. Because, first of all, you remember that the gas should have dissipated at this point, so there's no immediate threat anyway. But then, with the special breather that you have, you wouldn't be exposed to this air anyway. Excellent. Well... Isol's worried about turning into a, I guess, maybe a wear fish <laughs> if she inhales any, like, pockets of gas. So she is very pro saving some for us just in case. That makes sense. That makes sense. So as you pop out of hyperspace, you pop out into a debris field. Zora, as you check the sensors on the ship, at first you're concerned a debris field in the middle of space, that means... A ship has blown up here, and there goes all of your precious scavenge. But what you find is not the detritus of a ship that has exploded, but it's more like maybe a cargo bay was allowed to open up into the vacuum of space, because you're seeing a lot of trunks and suitcases, and you see a couple of speeder bikes. This is a sort of, of large luxury class cruiser where people would bring their own you know, their speeder bikes onto the, the ship to transport to whatever next port of call they were going to. So it's kind of uh, weird, as all of you are looking out the main windows of Zora's ship, you see just a speeder bike <laughs> spinning past you in the vacuum of space. And you see, like, a trunk that has been popped open and clothes are floating out of it. Very, very nice-looking clothes, but they're clothes in the middle of space, so they're not much use to you right now. No. Hmm. But then as you continue to look at the sensor readings, you're able to pinpoint exactly where the pulsar quest is. It's drifted a little bit away from where the, the co exact coordinates were, but it's very easy for you to maneuver there using your thrusters. Okay, cool. Is there a place, like, readily, I guess, accessible that I could land, or do I need to find a way in? There's no landing pads, or at least nothing that is that works for this, your size of ship. You can see the berths where emergency escape pods had been. So if you haven't guessed from looking at the blueprints, I pulled these from an actual Earth-based cruise ship. Mm -hmm. So think about where lifeboats would be on a cruise ship. That's where the escape pods were on the Pulsar Quest, they are all now gone. So theoretically, it'd be extremely tricky, but you could try to dock where emergency escape pods had been. Or you see kind of this grand ornate docking port that says in the Star Wars type, welcome to the Pulsar Quest above it. And that seems like it's kind of the, the general entry point where passengers 
would embark onto the ship, like if it were docked at a space station. So that's certainly going to be an easy place to dock. Or you can also see that there is a place near the the bottom where it's basically like the cargo hold, probably in one of the lower decks, where there's an ability to dock there as well. So super tricky, dock where the escape pods were, dock in the very center of the ship at the publicly accessible docking port, or if you want to be in the more technical area, you can dock near the bottom in the lower decks of the ship. So I guess Zora looks at the other two. Um, so you didn't get any more information about the uh, the lower decks of the ship? Is this it? This is all they gave me. I'm thinking I don't like going upstairs. I like going downstairs. So uh, we'll land higher and uh, make our way down. That sounds good to me. Zora, will you give me a piloting space roll? And this is going to be an average difficulty. It's very well marked. In fact, it's so well marked, I'm going to give you a boost die, which is the blue D6. And then average difficulty is two purple dice. Um, I got a failure with four advantages. <laughs> do I just ram my ship into the side of this cruise liner? Yeah, I think you do. Uh, <laughs> no! I think you do. So you're trying to line the ship up alongside of the, the Pulsar Quest. And maybe, I don't know whether there was something extra in your vape or maybe that <laughs> drink that you had was stronger than you expected. But you're trying to make like all of these tiny little course corrections and then crunch. You just no! scrape up against the side of the ship. <laughs> no! <laughs> the advantage is, because I you had several advantages there. The Gungan didn't get messed up. <laughs> We're right near a hatch. Yes. So what we'll say is that the ship has has basically crashed into the Pulsar Quest, but you are within maybe six feet of that hatch. So it's it's something that you could easily spacewalk. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> uh, that was going to be a cool pilot, and I did this. <laughs> That's as good as we're getting it. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get on out of here. Zora, do you keep enough spacesuits on hand for three people, including a, a Geth, to be able to make this spacewalk? Uh-huh. <laughs> it sounds like it might be the kind of thing that calls for a destiny point. Yeah, I think that might be it. I imagine Zora probably collects a bunch of little bits and bobs of interest, but I don't know if being that well prepared. Maybe maybe there's some like uh, the insurance on the, the spaceship is cheaper if you keep them or something. Yeah, so and with the, the destiny point, you've got them there. Yeah. There's probably a scene of you like digging through a closet, throwing a lot of random things out before it's like, aha, here they are. Here they had them. Absolutely. So I passed those puppies out. Let's get suited up. And all of you are able to get suited up easily enough. Zora, you pull open the hatch that's closest to where the the Pulsar Quest hatch is. I'm going to need coordination rolls for everybody to make this spacewalk. And then once you get to the Pulsar Quest, one of you is going to need to figure out how to open this door manually in the vacuum of space. Do you all want to go across at once and maybe work together to get it open? Or do you have, is one of you more mechanically minded? Or does somebody want to try shooting it open? <laughs> I have coordination and mechanics. So maybe, well, I don't really have coordination as a proficient thing, but I have three green dice in it at least. That's not bad. What's coordination linked to? Agility. 
Okay. Yeah, I only got two in that, so. I did coordination roll. Was I supposed to wait? That could have been you, just like, you're very uh, gung-ho, and so you just went out without a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> I also think you were embarrassed slightly by crashing your ship, so you were just like, I just want to get away from here. Let's yeah, just go. Yeah. I'm just going to jump out into space. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave. You know how, like, when cats, like, fall off of something and then they, like, quickly, like, lick themselves to pretend like they weren't? Yeah, that's what that's that's the uh, equivalent here. All right, so Isil and Zeph, as you're kind of debating amongst yourselves, like, oh, well, I think I might be able to do it this way. Oh, but what if you try this? Uh, Zora just is like, peace. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and has launched themselves out into space. Zora, what was your exact coordination roll? I got two successes. Great. So you, it's like, as I said, it's about six feet. So it's a little bit of a, a hop, but then you grab easily onto the hatch attached to the hull. And now you've got a locked hatch that you're holding onto in the vacuum of space. Izzel and Zeth, you've just seen Zora jump out of her own <laughs> ship. What do you want to do with that? I guess we're we're going. Perhaps you should go help him. All right. This gand will bring up the rear. I will try coordination as well. This is average difficulty. Yes. I got nothing. Everything canceled out. Everything canceled out. So technically that is a failure, but it is not catastrophic or beneficial. So <laughs> Isil, you're a little nervous to just jump out into space. So you don't give yourself quite enough propulsion and you kind of just stop about halfway. <laughs> well, maybe this will help. This Gand got uh, two successes and an advantage. So, Zeth, narrate how you would like to help Isil as you are able to make this jump. Okay, so Zora has gotten across and is hanging on the hatch, and I watch Isil launch herself and kind of stop midway. So this Gand kind of takes a big sigh, and you can kind of <laughs> see like the little particulates go into his mask and then go out, and they launch themselves and kind of barrel into Isil <laughs> in a way that pushes us both across the gap. And with that push, Isil, you're able to grab onto the side of the hull, and Zeph, you easily grab it as well. So the three of you are now perched in the, the closed hatch. How do you wish to open it? Well, I'm out of ideas. Absolute crickets. <laughs> <laughs> space crickets. Can we, okay, I need, like, I guess, clarification on how, like, Star Wars spacesuits work, because mm -hmm. I don't know if I've seen any scenes where they're, like, space walking. So, like, I guess deeper lore, can we, like, talk to each other through our helmets, or? Yes, so think of Revenge of, nope, not Revenge. Empire Strikes Back. There are too many Star Wars movies. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back when Han and Leia and C-3PO are on that asteroid that's not actually an asteroid. And they just have, like, basically scuba masks. Oh, yeah. And they're able to talk to each other. Yeah. I forgot about that. Because you're exposed to, like, absolute space. You probably have pulled on some kind of suit on top of that. Mm -hmm. But it is not a bulky helmet in any way. So you're able to talk to each other easily. Because space does not work the same in Star Wars. <laughs> right. Of course. You got to look good while you're out there. Especially if you're Zora. I imagine you're still in that fringe. Like, your suit has still has fringe, fringe on it. it. Yes, absolutely. Of course. Why would Zora buy anything without fringe on it? I guess Zora kind of looks at the other two like, uh, we uh, trying to pop this thing open or what? I'm going to try to mechanics it open. If that fails, I'll just shoot it open. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me a mechanics roll. Do you have mechanics 
tools on you, Isel? I would have grabbed something out of the ship, because I assume there's some aboard Zora's ship before we jumped over, since we're obviously going to be opening a hatch. All right, so that's going to give you a boost die, the blue D6, but I'm going to, uh, this is going to be an average difficulty. Yeah, we'll make it average difficulty. I'm not going to add anything else to it. I got a failure with three advantages. You are not rolling very well. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you uh, use your tools trying to jimmy this open. You're trying to find the mechanical lock in here, and you are certainly not able to do that. It kind of like fizzles out on you, but your advantage is that you you think you've discovered the weakest point in this hatch, the best place to take a shot at it if you just want to pull out a blaster and do it the old-fashioned way. I would like to do that. So give yourself a boost die. So I'm going to pull out my beloved blaster carbine that I've named Biter, and I have worked extensively on making it the best blaster carbine it could be. <laughs> and let's see how I do. Wow. Okay, I got access, two advantages, and a triumph. Yeah! <laughs> so triumph is a critical success in this game. You not only blast this open, there's no harm that is done to any of you, no <laughs> debris. It's a clean shot through. And I'm going to, to say that for a triumph, something really cool that you can get in addition to that. Does anyone have a suggestion for some really cool advantage that she can have? Hmm. Maybe the door actually goes to somewhere that yeah. is beneficial to us. And doesn't send everybody, all the <laughs> civilians flying out into the vacuum of space might be good. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, so you did not actually end up close to that, that main hatch that you had been aiming for, Zora. You're actually really close to the escape pod hatches. So that's the hatch that you opened, Isel, nice. which means that it was into a small airlock. So there were no civilians there to be blasted out into space. Always good. Tori was very nervous about that. <laughs> <laughs> the escape pod that you had, it would have been landed on deck seven, which is a little over halfway up the ship. And as you peek out, there's a, you know, a tiny little porthole from this airlock that leads into the rest of the ship. You can see that it looks like you'd be walking out into the atrium. And you can't see a lot of the details from here, but it doesn't look like a fabulous place to be. The atrium is actually, you see that there's some, some dried blood on the floor, and it looks like there's maybe been some, you can see there's like a bar in there if you kind of tilt your head in one direction, and all the glassware behind the bar has been shattered. Dang it. But you don't at least immediately see any people on the other side of that, so when you choose to open this, you, you won't be in necessarily any danger immediately. Well, I guess there's only one way to go. Head on in there. All right. I'm going to keep my blaster at the ready from this point on. Okay. So the door opens and you step out into the atrium. As you look around, it is a grand two-story entryway. This is close to where the passengers would be embarking onto the Pulsar Quest. The floor is shiny Alderanian marble, but as I said, it's sticky with dried blood. There's that long bar has had most of its bottles and glassware smashed, but kind of creepily, there's all these bar stools that are, are like actual chairs. They're not soldered into the floor or anything. There's standalone chairs that line up against the bar, and none of those have been 
tipped over. It's almost spooky how those remain untouched. There's also a couple of couches that are spread out amongst the area. You know, this is supposed to be kind of a, a welcoming place. But the dried blood puts a damper on that, as does the body in the center of the atrium. There is a, a young woman who uh, looks like she's wearing some kind of uniform. Her limbs are kind of akimbo. She obviously fell from a, a higher deck. Hmm. This Gamzeth immediately starts kind of pouring over the dried blood and also the broken glass, just kind of listening to the signs, what the ship has to tell has to tell them. Oh, I like that. So why don't you give me a perception roll? Ooh, I'm even good at that one. Fantastic. This is an unfamiliar ship, so we're going to make this a hard roll, which is three purple dice. Okay, sounds good to me. Ooh, that was not great for me. That is one failure and one threat. One failure and one threat? Indeed. The ship is telling you that it likes the new owners, basically. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting, and not something I think I'm going to share with my comrades. So our Gand friend just is confused by what the ship's telling them? Yes, or is in, like, deep contemplation of, of the ship's message. The Gand are a very mysterious people to all of you anyway, so for all you know, the way that they are just kind of staring into this broken glass is just what Gands do. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. So, Zora... And Izzel, as the Gand is communing with the ship, what do you wish to do? Perceive the immediate area beyond the body, because I don't think I did a perception check yet. Are you looking for something specific, or you just want to get a lay of the land? I think I want to look for maybe any, like, signage or anything that might allude to where maintenance people might go, like any doors that say, like, mm -hmm. employees only, or, like, any type of that sort of situation, I guess. Okay. Yes. So that will be a perception roll. And that is going to be, it's going to be an average perception roll, but it is going to be, I'll include a setback die. So two purples and then one black D6. Okay. And that's because you're looking for something that they try to obscure you. This is a very high class luxury liner mm -hmm. and they don't want you to acknowledge that the help even exists. Right. So I got a success and a threat. All right. So as you look around this atrium a little bit, you take a couple steps to the right, a couple steps to the left, which in this case would be aft is to your right and four is to your left. The front of the ship is towards your left. And you take a couple of, of steps forward and you find a wall that has a hidden door in it. This this door has been built to be flush with the wall. It is wallpapered the same as the wall. There isn't even a handle. There's just this very, very slight indentation where you can pull the door open. And as you are approaching this door, it's it's close to a set of double doors that are blocking your way to the very front of the ship. And above that, you see a sign that indicates that this is the main stage. And beyond it, you can hear music playing. It sounds like a full opera, and you even hear singing. Hmm. 
That's kind of weird. And did you say there's a way to get through this door? If you try to open the door, yes, it will. It, it's difficult, but it'll it'll slide open. Yeah, I guess the way that Zora sees it is um, there's really no point in uh, sticking around in one place, so I might as well go see what all that's about. I guess peek in cautiously, kind of? That's not the rock and roll thing to do. Zora just opens that door. <laughs> Into the main stage? Yes. Excellent. Uh, as you go to pull open the door, I should say, I'm sorry, I was confused about which door you were going to try to open. You get the, a hologram pops up as you try to pull this door open. And it is of a young red-skinned Twi'lek woman who says, please wait to enter. Performance in progress. Can I, like, wave that away with my hand? If you do, she just repeats it. Please wait to enter. Performance in progress. So obviously there is some sort of security that is keeping you from entering the main stage at this time. If you want, if this is important to you to check out, you could use either skullduggery or computers to try to bypass the security threshold here. Hmm... What can I see in the other direction? It's kind of like a long straight shot yes. towards the back of the ship. So what all can I see? Do I need to do another perception or? No, just uh, observing the rest of the ship is easy enough. Let me just pull up my copy of the layout. So as you look towards the back of the ship, you're basically as far forward as you can go right now, aside from going into the actual main stage. But as you look back, you see that there's the, the atrium, of course. It looks like there's an art gallery Ooh. on this deck as well. And you see a couple of pods that are just kind of sitting areas for people to relax and lounge around. The straight shot leads all the way back to the closed doors of the dining room. So far, you don't see any people on this level. I think we need to try to find a way down. This seems like all that uh, hoity-toity fancy BS up here. Probably not going to be very useful to us. Right. So let's try to find some stairs or something. Head down. Zora, the the door that I described that is built into the wall has the wallpaper and the small indentation into it. Mm -hmm. That is the sort of staff entrance, basically. That would, if you opened that up, that's where you would find stairs for the staff to uh, go up and down the ship. Okay. Can we get that open? Do I need to do something for that? Yes. That is the door that you can open easily enough. Yeah, let's do that. That seems the best way. It's a little sticky. And so you have to like Yuck. kind of throw your shoulder into it, but with a screech, you're able to force it open. And the stairwell, the lights are flickering in it, so off and on, off and on, very, very spooky. As, uh, as you look up and down, the stairs go up for several decks and they go down for several decks from here. And you said you wanted to go down? Yeah. Eisel, was there anything else that you wanted to do before entering the stairwell? I think I'm going to wait to do all my salvaging things until we're, you know, we got the first part of the mission done. So I think I'll just go with Zora for now. Well, isn't down where we thought the, um, like the engine decks were? Yes. Yep. You think down would be the way to reach where the engine is and the air circulation, which would probably be the theoretically the fastest method of dispersing this um, cure. Excellent. Sounds good. So for the diagrams that we have, as the numbers get smaller, that's lower, right? So then 11 would be the highest and then... Correct. Deck 11, the Lido deck, because some things are universal throughout the galaxy, is the highest deck on the ship. It's also where the most frivolity is. Like, there is nothing integral to the ships working on that deck other than, you know, if you wanted to use that gravity method of dispersing the cure. And then as you go lower, 
you get to, you know, you've got a couple more decks of just fun stuff. Then you have some state rooms, more fun stuff, more state rooms. And then you get into the bowels of the ship, which is cargo and ship stores and engines. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still thinking about going downwards. Yeah, I think down seems like our best option for sure. All right. Well, if we went up, we could go to the mud baths after we dispersed the, <laughs> but downwards does seem best. <laughs> I don't want to know what that mud bath looks like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking about maybe stealing some art. <laughs> the art gallery is on deck seven, but you can go you can go down first and see what is to be found down there. Yeah. So the three of you enter this metal stairwell with flickering lights. And as your feet hit the stairs, they kind of echo and reverberate through this 11 deck tall, basically, column of stairs. And helpfully, as you reach each new deck level, there is a clearly marked door, and it clearly marks what deck you are reaching. So you started on deck seven, the promenade deck. You pass deck six. You pass deck five and four, which are stateroom decks. You reach deck three, and this is where your stairs begin to get a little rickety. You can't quite figure out exactly what has happened here, but some of the stairs have fallen away at this point. The hand railing has been ripped out in other places. If you'd like to try to figure out exactly what happened, it's going to be a knowledge roll. Might as well try. I should say average difficulty, so throw in two purple die for anyone that rolled and didn't add them in already. I got a success and a threat. I got an advantage. That's what I got too, just an advantage. All right, so two advantages and then one person got a success and a threat. Mm -hmm. So Zora, what happened here was somebody threw a grenade into the stairwell, probably one deck below where you're at. So somewhere on deck one or two is where a grenade went off. So this is just the outer edges of that grenade. You know, it's still fairly stable up here. Or so you thought the threat is going to be just as you figure out, oh, it was a grenade, the stair that you're standing on gives way. Yay! I'm going to need an athletics check, and this is going to be hard. Three purple dice with a setback die, because you are surprised by this. And you still have two light side destiny points. If you want, you can spend one of those destiny points now to upgrade one of your green dice into a yellow. I don't know. It's a reasonable use for it. If y'all are cool with that. Yeah. I'd rather not have to lug you up some some stairs. <laughs> so I just got one success. Okay. One success is all you need. So the stair gives way and you reach your arms up instinctively as you start to fall and your fingers grab onto the edge of the next step right next to the feet of the Gand and Isel. So you're hanging over oh, basically a black abyss right now, but you did not fall into it. Help, <laughs> perhaps. I want to grab Zora by the arm and haul them back up. Which you are able to do easily enough. Sweet. I'm too cool to say thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, whole area is messed up. Someone threw a grenade in the stairwell. Should we continue down this way or should we find another way? We run the risk of uh, more stairs giving out like that, I think. About what floor are we at right now? You're on deck three, the cargo bay. Can we like find a way out onto deck, like into the floor of deck three? Yeah, the door is still there and intact. Okay. There may be a, another maintenance shaft. Yeah. That's usable. Like on the other side of the ship. Yeah, I think that's the smart way. So you... Again, have to. This door is even uh, more difficult to open than the one that you used to get into this stairwell. But you're able to 
uh, shove it open again and step out into the cargo bay, which is a disaster area. Because as you walk out, you remember seeing all of those trunks and speeder bikes and things in a debris field around the ship. Yeah, this is a giant empty cargo bay. Someone must have opened the cargo bay doors at some point and let all the great stuff out of it. Oh, that could have been really bad if the doors were still open. I guess we probably couldn't have gotten this door open. Not easily. So you walk into just a cavernous open space in this ship. There's a couple of larger items, like full-size wardrobes that are still cast about throughout the cargo bay, but basically it's empty and bereft. The only thing of note that still remains is there is a giant crane. It looks to be anchored in the aft of the ship, but there is a a long boom arm that hangs over the rest of the cargo bay. So there's a, a crane arm that's near where you are standing. Do we see any other doors that look like they lead to stairs? That's going to be a average perception check as you look around. I got a failure with two advantages. I got a success. All right. So Zora isn't seeing any helpful doors. And is the the Gand taking a look? Yes, this Gand got one success and one threat. So Zeth, you find the door, but as you approach it, You hear the ship tell you, no, not this way. This Gand does not like this door. And Isil, it's the same door that you have found. It's actually just directly across from where you entered. So just walking directly across the ship the short way, not having to go all the way towards the back, but just if you're on the starboard side, just going to port. I know, ship terms. Mm -hmm. You're able to find another hidden door in the wall. But as you approach the door, that is when Zeth is saying that they do not, they do not like it. Do you have another suggestion then? Because this is the only door I see. It's just a door. I don't understand how you can, why, why don't you like it? The ship has told this Gand, this door is not the one for us. Um, did it tell you which one is? Presumably another. Right, well... This is the only door we have, so I think we have to go through it. This Gand will bring up the rear again. <laughs> All right by me. Are we sending Zora first again? <laughs> is Zora going to go first? I guess so. <laughs> this time, as you try to open the door, it seems stuck fast. Well, we got to blast it or something. I don't think that I have a blaster, actually. You do not. I made you the the melee person. I don't have a way to get into it, then. I'll try shooting the door, I guess. You did have very good luck shooting the last door. Yeah, so I am bolstered by my knowledge that guns solve everything. (laughs) You know what? Because you you rolled a triumph the last time you used this gun, I will give you a boost die for this. Oh, awesome. Okay. But you're also remembering to use your setback die, right? Because this is an unwieldy weapon? Yeah, my poor and accurate gun. Let's see, boost, setback. And then average difficulty to shoot. Two successes, three threats. (laughs) (laughs) So, poo! Your gun goes off, shoots clean through where the latch is, and the door slides open very, very easily. Once this door slides open, 
you hear something from this stairwell. You hear giggling. Ah, uh, shoot. Now there's probably not a way to shut the door. <laughs> Try to open. <laughs> oh, hell no. It's echoing from below. So wherever this is, there seems to be somebody that's below you. And you hear, it's, think just one voice, but it's also really creepy and echoey. So you can't be sure. I think Zeth might have been right. I think Zora's going to kick the wall of the stairwell in hopes that it'll make like a big scary boom. To kind of get this individual's attention. I like that. I'm going to make it a coercion roll. Okay. With uh, what kind of difficulty? We'll keep this at average. And because I think this is cool, boost die. Oh, hell yeah. Two successes and two threats. All right. As you kick the wall and this boom reverberates through the wall of the stairwell, the giggling stops for a moment. And then you just hear a voice say, don't you want to come down and play? Mm. I think that's a resounding no from everyone <laughs> in the party. Maybe maybe we should find another, you know, stairway. <laughs> come out, come out wherever you are. And you hear footsteps on the stairwell below. What kind of game are you trying to play? Oh, it's a fun game. I don't like fun. <laughs> <laughs> All of you hear footsteps coming up the stairs. They're definitely getting closer. Does everyone want to stick around and see what games this person has in mind? Or we're going to go find another stairwell? We got work to do. Oh, so do I. Yeah, I don't think we should just like leave someone coming for us at our backs, though. So maybe we should take care of this problem before moving on. I guess it's kind of par for the course with this sort of thing, knowing the effects of this gas that we would run into some hostile people. So I guess Zora readies the stun club that they have in their inventory. All right, so everyone's just kind of kind of hunker down and get ready for what's coming? Yeah. Sounds like it. More or less. It's probably probably a better idea to, to be out in this open, right? So maybe Zora kind of like motions for everybody to back out. Sounds good to me. All right, so everyone's kind of getting into position and you're like kind of doing a semicircle around the door or... What are, what are your th thoughts? I'm going to be back a little bit. I'm going to switch my gun to stun since we are theoretically trying to keep these people alive. Okay. And I'm just going to like aim at the door. All right. Seems like you all are preparing for combat. So it is time to roll our initiative. And in this case, because all of you are prepared for this, obviously, you have some time to get things together, initiative is going to be rolled with cool. There is no difficulty for initiative rolls. You just roll your cool stat and tell me how many triumphs, successes, and advantages you get. And what's cool related to? Cool is presence. Oh, ooh. I'm a cool dude. A success and two advantages. Yeah, two successes and two advantages as well. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Those null rolls are super fun. So the person that is coming up the stairs also knows, obviously, that they are facing off with some people and rolled three successes and an advantage. So they are going to have the advantage on the start of this. And you see emerging from the shadows of this stairwell because below you, there were no lights any longer on this side. So this is a, a dark pitch black stairwell. And you see arising from the shadows what looks like a living shadow. And you see the, a, a tall humanoid individual emerging from the darkness. And eventually 
the darkness pulls back as the person lowers a hood and you realize that he was wearing some sort of, of cloak that allows him to camouflage himself into his surroundings. So his body is still obscured in the shadows. The cloak is, is projecting darkness. And you, so you just see this almost disembodied looking head of an Umbaran. And Umbarans are humanoid aliens with purple skin, no hair on top, kind of sunken, gaunt features. And he just looks at all of you and pulls up a hollow imager camera and just tells all of you, smile, and he snaps a photo. But first, what I'm going to need all of you to do is give me a discipline check. And the difficulty of that is two red and one purple. I'm really excited for my one green die against this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I failed. I didn't do too bad. I got a failure and a threat. That's all. That's all. It's better than I thought I was going to do. I got a single advantage. Very nice, Zeth. <laughs> Especially against that role. Izel and Zora, when this man says smile, you all you can do is freeze in your steps and paste on a giant smile because you're getting your photo taken. Oh, yay. Heck no. That is not on brand. <laughs> oh my gosh. Internally, Zora's freaking out. Zeth, you don't smile because I don't think Gand can smile. <laughs> and so that is the only thing that is is saving you. You're still kind of, you're, you're still surprised by this, but your advantage means that you do not have this compulsion to smile. So you're not going to be at any difficulties for your next action. Excellent. But Zora, you are the one that gets to go next. And if you want to do anything other than stand still and smile for your photo, you're going to have two setback die. One because a very bright flash just went off in your face, and one because you are trying to act against this compulsion to smile for your photo. <laughs> yeah, I gotta stop smiling. That's not rock and roll at all. <laughs> I that could total your action could be no, I just want to resist this, which means that you would have advantages for later on in this encounter. Or but if you want to do something else and not smile, that's when you're going to have more setbacks. I think part of my motivation is wanting to make sure that, like, we're not going to do more harm or waste time doing things that are unnecessary. Because I think probably still that this is just some, like, weird little game and not an actual threat. So I think uh, I'm just going to try to resist this ridiculous smile business. Okay. So that is going to be a discipline check for you. And you're still going to have the one setback die because you're trying to resist this this smiling. And then it's just going to be a hard check at this point. So three purple dice. Oh boy. I got a failure with advantage. All right. So the failure means that you're still stuck there very off brand with this big dumb smile on your face. This is so uncool. <laughs> yeah, you might even mutter that. Like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> so uncool. <laughs> it kind of sounded like burning. <laughs> <laughs> but your advantage is that you, on your, your next turn, you're going to have a boost die. 
So you're, you're beginning to work through this. This is the last time it's going to affect you. And then next is Isil. All right. I'm going to try to shoot. Okay. You're going to have the two setback die for this because of the, the light and the compulsion. <laughs> you also have a setback die because this person has armor. So you're at three setback uh, die. No, I'm at four with my bad gun. <laughs> and you're four with your bad gun. <sighs> but the good thing is that ranged difficulty when you're like kind of within this distance from each other is only average. Okay. So you still only have two purple die, just four setback die, which is a record for (laughs) my games. I love setting records. All right. Let's see how this goes. I got two successes and two threats. Okay. So what is the damage on your gun? All right. So I have it set to stun right now, but I get... I get an extra damage because of my jury-rigged ability, and I get an extra damage when I'm within close or engaged range. I don't know if I'm doing that. Yes, you are. So 11 damage total then. Wow! Whoa. Let's see. But I am stunning. Yes, that's good. Your blast hits this Umbaran square in the chest, but avoids the camera. So his camera is still untouched, thank goodness, as he stumbles back a little bit into the wall and he just snarls, baring his teeth and he says, that wasn't very pretty. I think I'm still smiling, right? I think you are. (laughs) I think we all are. And Zeth, it is your turn. This Gand does not smile. This Gand does not smile. This Gand is going to try and use their net to try and like tangle this guy's feet up. Oh, I like that. He's kind of a big dude, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's my goal. Okay, so that's going to, again, be average difficulty. You still have the setback die from the light being flashed in your eyes. So there's one setback die for that and one setback die for his armor. Gotcha. Okay. Ooh, I got one failure and one threat. Okay. So you throw your net, but because of how he was stumbling back still, he was still in motion, you don't quite get the aim correct. And that is actually, as the Umbarn tries to dodge out of the way, you actually manage to help him get on firmer footing. So he's now going to have a boost die for his next roll. And he is going to look directly at Aizel, because Aizel is the one that hurt him, (laughs) and is just going to, to tell her, I don't think you really want to be holding on to that gun right now, do you? And now, Aizel, I need you to give me a discipline check. Again, your difficulty is two red and one yellow die. At one success. Oh, very nice. You can tell that this Umbaran, somehow his words are penetrating your head. And you feel like you now are beginning to understand that for somehow this person can use their words to try to make you do things. And it succeeded in getting you to smile, but trying to get you to put down your gun, that is a step (laughs) too far, and you are able to resist this compulsion. The Umbaran recognizes immediately that he has been foiled and is is making to to lunge at you as if to, to throttle you. But he already made his action. So Zora, 
What do you do now? Am I out of this the smiley business? It's just, it's faded into a smirk, which I feel is a little more on brand. Yeah, I can deal <laughs> with a smirk. I, and I can move now. Yes, you can. So I'm about to get up in this person's business with my stun club, I guess. All right. They are lunging at Eisel right now. What do I need to roll like a- Oh, yes. So with the stun club, this would be a melee skill. So you just roll your melee dice pool with an average difficulty of two purple dice. Okay. And his armor isn't in effect here. His armor is only versus ranged. So you don't have additional- Setback die. Didn't you say that I had a boost die as well this turn? Yes, you do. Okay, so I have two successes and two advantages. Oh, fantastic. What is the damage on your stun club? Six. Oh, wow. So in this game, damage is calculated by the base damage of your club, which is six, plus the number of successes you got, which is two, giving you a total of eight stun damage this time. Okay. Which is miraculously... More than enough to take down this person. Good. Nice. (laughs) So your stun club is basically an electrified baton. Mm -hmm. Describe how you knock this Umbaran out. I picture Zora to actually be kind of relatively short Mm -hmm. for a human. So Zora holds the stun baton around the hip to kind of drive it in with the hip force. Jam it at the person. I don't know. Maybe they hit around their like thigh area. Sure. So you just kind of jam it into their thigh and there's a burst of electricity as the Umbarin lets out a, a, a startled cry and just kind of falls forward mid-lunge. Maybe their their long hands, like these creepy long yellow nails, scrape down Eisel's legs, but harmlessly. Maybe a couple of scratches in your uh, in the material of your outfit, but no actual harm done. Ah. And they fall completely passed out, still obviously breathing, but no longer an immediate threat. Zora kind of jabs, I guess, the rib area with with one foot and is like, I don't like smiling for no reason. Could have at least done me the favor of telling a joke or something. (laughs) This gand kind of waddles over and picks up their net. Waddles, that's so cute. The Umbaran has been felled. In front of you, you have the other maintenance stairwell, which is pitch black when you look down it. Can we tie them up at least before we go? Yes, you find a length of cable that you can use to tie them up. All right. Works for me. Does anybody want to take their camera? Yeah. Yeah, I want it. <laughs> can I take it? Yes, you can totally take it. Yeah, I'm about to take it. So you now have a hollow camera. Awesome. Do I know how to use it? I. It's You know the basics of it. It is point and click. There's certainly, it's. this is a pretty high-end camera, so there are settings on it that you don't understand how to use, but the basic functionality you can grasp. Is it like a digital camera where you can look through previously taken pictures? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, so can I find the one of me cheesing and delete it really fast? <laughs> yes, you can do that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I delete the picture <laughs> and and kind of shiftily look around. But also, you know, with a, a digital camera where when you delete the last photo, it immediately brings up, again, the most, now the most recent photo. Yes. So you delete the the picture of you and Eisel smiling and Zeth just standing there looking very Gand-like. <laughs> and what immediately pops up is a photo. It's a very macabre sort of setup. You can see the, the background. Looks like there are mannequins 
posed along the decks of the ship. And uh, at least you're hoping they're mannequins until you realize that some of them are awfully red and drippy. And they're posed in simulations of vacation photos. So like you can see a family that is all together like entering the ship. They've got their sort of dorky tourist clothes on and these big grins, but you can tell they're like set in from rigor mortis. And those are in the background. And in the foreground, you see a striking figure of a human man, very pale skin, very gaunt with long black hair that is pulled back into a tight knot on the back of his neck. And he's uh, smiling the same sort of pasted on grin that you had had earlier. Hmm. I guess I show the picture to the other two if they're interested. Isel, if you would like, you can make a knowledge roll for this. All right. It would be four purple dice for difficulty. All right. My odds are not great, but we'll see. Three threats. Three threats. So you're not sure who this person is, but he gives you, it basically gives you the willies. It's like part of you thought like, oh, maybe I recognize him from somewhere. But if you do, it's like from a horror story. Werewolves. Yes. Yes, you know what? This person shows the first signs of turning into a werewolf. Man, I hate this ship. Oh, no. So we want to continue downward? Yeah, let's just go through this as quickly as we can. Yeah, I agree. All right, so so you step into the stairwell. As I said, it's pitch black, so you're going to have to just kind of feel your way down. And you no longer have the ability to read any of the the signs, because even the, the emergency lighting is down at this point. So you're just kind of having to feel along the sides. Luckily, it seems that all of these stairs are intact until you reach the bottom of the ship. And you can feel around a little bit before you find the door to what you hope is the engine room. Do you open the door? Do you want to make a plan here in the dark? I got my blaster out, ready to go in case there's another creepy person in here. Yeah. I mean, you think that the hole is intact? Like, we're not going to just fling ourselves out back into space, are we? Maybe we should put our masks and stuff on first. It might be good. Oh, had you taken your your masks off? I don't think we had. We never said we did. Yeah. You never said you did. So I think you're all right on that. Okay. Okay. I will note as you reach this door, you do start to smell a very acrid scent of jet fuel, Hmm. which I will note is extremely flammable with blasters. Yes. Yeah, don't don't light that thing up. All right. Let's try the door, and it's probably going to be locked, isn't it? Would it still affect if I had it set on stun? It would. Okay. I'll just have it ready to hit people with the gun itself. There you go. Turn it into a bludgeoning weapon. (laughs) That's what it's good for. And the door is not locked. You're able to, again, force this one open again into the engine room, which is dimly lit. doesn't have full lighting on. It seems like the emergency lighting did kick in in the engine room. And here, once it's open, a gust of smoke rushes into the stairwell. All of you are still wearing your masks, so it doesn't affect your breathing. You just have to squint against it. It obscures your vision for a moment until it clears out. And when the smoke clears, you can see that there was definitely a fire in this engine room. The smell of the the jet fuel, obviously somebody had lit it on fire somehow. And so everything in this room is just scorched from a very hot fire that burned not too long ago. I guess this would be a perception. I just want to see, like, is there anything at all 
related to the circulation system down here. You can't see that from the stairwell, but are you going to go into the engine room to explore it? Uh, yeah, might as well. All right. You are a pilot yourself, so you have some basic knowledge of ship systems. So as you are looking around, Zora, you are able to find where the air circulation controls are. Okay. And this is probably like some sort of like screen interface, right? Yes. Okay. So am I able to maybe pluck around and see any type of like diagrams that show like, you know, like sometimes there's like the whole diagram of the system. It shows where it is on the ship. Maybe if something's damaged, it highlights that kind of. You'd think that it probably should have that. But as you pull up the screen, you're actually hit with another security access screen that won't allow you to get beyond the initial confirmation screen. Like, So a screen pops up that shows you buttons that would access several different ship systems. There's air circulation, there's water supply, sanitation, things like that. But anytime you press one of them, you hear an eh -eh sort of sound and a prompt to scan your access badge. Well, we're going to have to do something about that, aren't we? Can I try computers? Check... So computers would be attempting to trick it into thinking that you had the correct badge. Skullduggery is the other option, which is essentially to to hack it, slice it in Star Wars parlance. I think probably, is there going to be a difference in how difficult which of those is going to be? Nope, they are both hard. Okay. I'll also point out that you can help each other in this game. Do any of you have computers or skullduggery? Nope. Nope. But again, because this is Star Wars, all of you can attempt it. In this case, it would simply be adding a boost die to whoever has the strongest base pool. So you might want to compare amongst yourselves, like, Zora has two green dice. If anybody had three green dice to throw towards this, it might be better for them to make the attempt. And then add a blue boost die for someone helping you. Uh, I have three in both cunning and intellect. I only have two. Yeah, all of mine are only two. All right, so if, if Zeth wishes to make this, so intellect would apply for computers. Or cunning, that's right. So it'd be three for the Gand if you wish to make this attempt to Zeth. And then you would have a blue boost die. I figure really only one person can help you, but maybe like Zora is over your shoulder, like pointing out like, oh, I think you need to, I think you need to do that thing. Extreme hacking. Totally. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and as I said, this is a hard difficulty. So three purple dice. Two successes and a threat. So with the two successes, you are able to bypass the security. And it says... Welcome to the maintenance systems of the Pulsar Quest. So it has a little voice activation along with it. And so if you go into the air circulation, you're able to pull up the, the blueprints there. However, the threat is as soon as you pull up the diagram for the air circulation system, uh, Zora mentioned, you know, oh, it might highlight where it's broken. Yeah, the whole thing is just red. The entire system is down. Hmm. So anybody that is looking over Zeth's shoulders can see all of this red, and it's pretty universal that red means bad. Mm -hmm. The scan does not think this is going to work. Yeah, Zora was right. It might be too, uh, too far gone to do any type of repairs, right? Well, the other plan was to go up high and drop it down. <laughs> I don't know if either of y'all have any uh, better ideas. I mean, maybe we could just try fixing it? I don't know if I can really do that much. I don't know much about fixing ships. Can we fix it remotely? Can we tell from this if it's like a physical error or like a programming error? 
Is there any way to know? So by programming error, are you basically just trying to figure out if it's giving you a false negative, like the system is just shorted out? Yeah, because like since it's obviously like computer driven, there's the tangible aspects of the system, but also like if the computer itself is messed up, even if it's physically fine, it might not be working kind of thing. Well, how about I'll give you this rather than rolling more for it. The fact that a bunch of smoke came out of this room <laughs> is a really strong indicator that there is something physically wrong with the system. If it, a okay. properly working air circulation system should have filtered out that smoke after a couple of hours at most. Hmm. Okay. Depending on where the fault in the system is, you're in the engine room. It's the heart of the ship. If there's something physically to be fixed, this is a pretty good place to start. It's just a question of if any of you have the know-how to do that sort of high-level repair. And if you have know-how, do you have the the equipment? You know, Do you have the replacement parts that are needed? Or would it be a better use of your time just to trudge back up to the top of the ship and try doing it manually, essentially. And by it, I mean dispersing your cure. This would be a mechanics roll to try to fix it, right? Yes. So I have two yellow dye in mechanics, but I think most of what she fixes is probably more like her own personal gear. So I don't know how confident Isol is in trying to fix a, a cruise ship. So you have two ranks in mechanics, basically, mm-hmm. with that, which means you are a pretty competent mechanic. I'll tell you that the difficulty for this is daunting, okay. which is five purple dice. Yeah, I don't want to mess anything up further, so maybe we should just go with plan B. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Is the Gand in agreement? The Gand is in agreement. And then we can visit those mud baths. <laughs> all right, so you're just going to trudge up those stairs all the way? Yeah. <laughs> is there a... No turbo lifts? Yeah, is there... There is a, an elevator shaft, but the elevators are not working when you try it. So as you go to the stairs, let's let's just go into narrative a little bit. I want each of you to give me something creepy that you either encounter in the stairwell or that you hear beyond the doors. Something that's happening that you don't see but just sounds incredibly creepy. I think at one point they encounter a bunch of droid parts that have been obviously dismantled from a collection of of various droids that you would find on some sort of ship liner like this. But they've all been kind of like put back together in like kind of creepy vignettes. And the other two are very creeped out. Meanwhile, this Gand is like staring deeply into the (laughs) eyes of these droids to try and figure out what the, the ship is telling them. I love it. I think behind a door, there is the sounds of someone doing, I guess, like a playing doctor kind of scenario. Ooh. And so they're narrating all of the things that they're doing to, you can't really tell what they're doing these things to, but they're definitely like sounds that, like a physicality that accompanies their their narration of doing this, I guess, uh, surgery or whatever they're doing. I love it. Yeah, you pass the, the, you're hearing that as you pass the, med- the, the deck that has the medical bay on it, deck six. I think we find some sort of like popular children's toy, like this Star Wars version of Tickle Me Elmo. But like the the voice box, <laughs> it's a it's a porg. It's a little porg. Yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> the voice box has been replaced, or they've changed what it's recording, so it's just like saying really creepy things to us about like <laughs> blood and murder. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I am creeped out. You all are excellent creepy people. After seeing or seeing and hearing those three very creepy encounters, all of you reach deck eleven, the Lido deck. 
And as you, again, push open this maintenance door and you peek out, you see that, first of all, the top of the ship is just enclosed in a transparent dome. So you look up into the vast blackness of space. But on the deck level, you realize that you've opened up right into that spa, the Seleucian Mud Bath Spa, exactly where Eisel has been really pushing for everyone to go. (laughs) Just never been before, and I really want to go. On a creepy haunted cruise ship. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe nothing bad has happened here, and this is the one good spot. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just abandon our whole mission. We'll get back out of my busted up ship. Ah, that was fun. Yeah, okay. I'm imagining, what, they're like maybe recessed tubs of mud in the floor? Is that what's going on here? Well, you are actually in kind of the reception area, so you see that there's... uh, Okay, okay. Are you still in the the stairwell, or do you step into the, the reception area of the spa? We'll step out. All right. As soon as you step out, a hologram pops up. Again, it is that red skinned Twi'lek woman that Zora, you saw in front of the main stage. She was saying you could not enter. And here she says, Welcome to the Pulsar Quest Spa. Please sign in at the desk to begin the most relaxing experience in the galaxy. Are you interested in a Mustafarian hot stone massage? Or perhaps you'd like to visit the Seleucian mud baths for a detoxifying dip. Didn't this weird gas come from Mustafar? Interesting. It did indeed. That's probably nothing. <laughs> Zora, of course, you recall the, the Mustafar connection. Oh, yeah, I do. Did we discuss that in on the way here? Or was I just like, was that just something I kept to myself, you think? That is up to you. I think the, the, the Mustafar connection was known. The part that you knew was that people were trying to make a drug out of this gas. And I mean, if it's something that usually comes from the minds of Mustafar, a stone massage from Mustafar, that seems like it could be a connection. I think I'll avoid hmm. that particular part of here when I finally get to do my spa day. Yeah, that is a uh, is kind of interesting. You know, I was thinking maybe someone unleashed this on this ship, but uh, maybe there was something pocket of gas or something up in those stones, and it came out. Maybe, or maybe it was intentional. But it's a possibility this was an accident. Perhaps this this might be a good place to investigate whether we can aerosolize the cure. If if we think that perhaps the gas originated from here, would it not be a good idea to also send the cure from here as well? There might be something here. I don't know. Don't those uh, freely types like to? you know, spray things that smell good all over them or whatever. Maybe there's something like that we can put it in. Okay, so you're you're looking for some sort of, of spray system, I guess, to, to use? Or like a hookah or... Oh, if the air circulation system is down, perhaps we can put it in some sort of fire suppression system instead. Ooh, I like that plan. So are you going to investigate for the fire suppression system? Yeah. Now, explain to me a little more about exactly how you see this working. Is it, do you want to find like a control panel or do you just want to find the nearest pipe that leads into the suppression system? Because the suppression system is basically a, a foam sort of system, which totally works with the the aerosol method. So that means that there's there's pipes of some sort of compressed liquid running throughout the ship. So you could either go directly into one of those pipes 
Or you could find some sort of control panel for the whole system. Maybe we might have to spend a destiny point for this, but maybe there's like a tank of it and it's on the top layer of the ship just to make it easier for it to flow down to the other layers or floor decks of the ship if something goes wrong. But there's like a big storage tank in like a closet up here. Yeah, it does make sense that like when other systems have failed, it would be easiest for it to utilize gravity, right? I like this idea. You can either do a perception check to try to find it, or I will allow the destiny point to be spent just to, boom, you find this. Yeah. It is your last light side point. Uh, I have a pretty good perception if you guys want to want me to perceptify here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I will do that then. So, perceptify for me, Zeth. This is going to be a hard perception check. And I will say, if the others are going to kind of help you scout out, yeah. that could give you two boost dice. Yeah, do it. I'll help. Sweet. I will take it. <laughs> Ooh, everything is coming up, Zeth. <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four successes. Wow. Nice. Any threats in there? Nope, that's it. <laughs> four successes. So, Zeth, you begin looking around this this spa, which feels very superfluous to a Gand like yourself. The Gand don't really have a need for such frivolous luxuries as this this spa. But as you are poking around through the various cupboards, you discover extra containers of the Seleucian mud to refill the baths, and you find some extra potted plants for when they need to to switch things out to, to make things feel more, more seasonal. And then through another one of these cabinets that is built to look just like all their other ornate cabinets, you open it and you find the emergency supply for the fire suppression system. Nice work, Seth. So in order to actually input your cure into the fire suppression system. This seems like it will be a, a mechanics roll right. to make sure that you get everything hooked up just right. I will do this. And for this, I am going to flip one of my dark side destiny points. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, I'm going to spend two. No! I'm going to spend two. Making this tricky for you. Oh! Alright. So this is going to be two red dice as your difficulty. If I flip our last one, that gives me a green die since I have all my dice is yellow right now, right? Yep. All right. And it's actually no longer your last one. By me spending two, I just boosted you up to three light side points. So you now have a total of three light side points at your disposal for upgrading. If I spent two, could I get another yellow dice? Yes. You guys, are you okay with that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, do it. I'm going to do that. Ooh, <laughs> I got a success and a threat. <laughs> <laughs> but the success is good. The success is what you needed. You are... That's all I needed. Yes, you are able to get your cure hooked up into this emergency system. You get it activated without having to actually set a fire anywhere. So another bonus for you. But the threat is, I did mention that allowing gravity to, to do this was going to be the slowest method of all. So it's going to start working pretty immediately on this Lido deck. Not, it's not like a flip of a switch, you know, people still need to go kind of through a detox period, but it's going to affect people on this deck immediately. Deck 10, a couple of minutes later. Deck 9, a couple of minutes after that, and so on, working its way down the ship. So maybe we whoop this deck first. <laughs> I like that thinking. I'm going to take some of that extra mud. E I'm not. <laughs> Aren't you uh, looking for the rocks, though? Yeah. Mm. I thought you wanted to make some drugs. Easel is fine with just mud. And then I guess stuff to get for the rebellion. 
Yeah, Isol Isol had no interest in the drugs. It was Zora that was thinking about drugs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of trying to, to loot some more high-value items, but, you know, maybe the rocks are worth something. I might take a peek if I can find them. Give me a perception roll. All right. This is going to be... This is average. I just got one advantage. All right. So you're not able to find where the the rocks are stored, but you wander into one of the actual massage rooms where you know they have a nice massage table set up, and there is a a little cart off to the side that has the massage tools. So like there's a couple of towels folded up there, some very nice smelling oils, and there is a small stack of three stones that you're pretty sure are from Mustafar. Yeah, sure. Let's just yoink those babies. All right. And you've got them. As you pick them up, they are strangely hollow feeling. So the the outside is, think about like lava rock, that really mottled feeling, really rough or like pumice stone. So that's what the outside is, but it, it's not a solid rock. It feels hollow in the center. Okay. So don't let anybody break them is what the moral is here. That would be smart. All right, so Isol, you said that you wanted to load up on some fancy mud? Oh, yeah. Okay. The extra that's there was kind of like this giant jug, but you could siphon some off into smaller containers if you wanted. Or you could try to muscle out this giant jug of mud. But that will basically be like, that would be what you were doing. Like, in order to do anything else, you'd have to set it down. It like, would take an action to do that in order for you to do something else. Is there like a shuttle or some other ship we can use to get off of here? Or is Zora's ship still intact enough? Zora's ship is probably still fairly intact. Okay. Might need some some repairs. The wizard paint is a little bit scraped. Oh yeah, the wizard is that wizard is seeing better days. Man. <laughs> I think I'm just going to make a pile on the deck of the ship of stuff to take and then worry about loading it once once we feel a little more clear. Okay. I don't really want to lug a jug around when there still might be, you know, people out there who are trying to make us smile. <laughs> All right, so are you going to explore the rest of the Lido deck? Yeah. So the spa here is in the fore of the ship. As you head towards the aft, the center of the Lido deck is taken up primarily by a giant swimming pool. And, you know, there's there's chairs all along the deck. Of course, many of these have been upended at this point. You do see some smears of blood along the deck. But at the moment, you don't see any signs of other people. And then towards the, the back of the ship, first there is the Maw Cluster Cantina and Grill. And behind that, kind of jutting up even higher above the dome, actually, it's like there's this dome covering the ship, but there's a little pocket that juts out even higher, like kind of a, a cylinder shape towards the back which you know from looking over the blueprints earlier, is the observation area for the Zero-G Asteroid Mountain Climbing Simulator. Can we see what's going on in there from here? You don't see anybody in there. You don't see any activity happening from where you're at at the fore of the ship. You'd have to go closer. Where is everybody? That's a good question. Do you want to do a perception check, see if people are hiding? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting suspicious. That's going to be an average difficulty check, but I am upgrading one of those dice, so it is one purple and one red. Two successes and an advantage. Ooh, very nice. A failure and an advantage. Two successes and two advantages. Oh, very nice. 
So, Isel, we're going to say that you were kind of preoccupied with getting your mud in place here in the center of the deck. You're like super <laughs> into this relaxing. And I, they say that, that Seleucian mud has some excellent benefits. You know, it, it helps against wrinkles. It can pull out toxins from the body. So this is some primo high quality stuff. It makes sense for you to be slightly preoccupied with it. I was reading all the pamphlets that they had. Oh, yeah. Like, you're really kind of sad that there isn't anybody <laughs> around to actually give you some of these treatments. Like, the facials are to <laughs> die for. And you think that you can negotiate a pretty good rate, you know, being the savior of this entire ship and all. Yeah. But alas, there is nobody nearby to give you any of these these great packages. Whereas Zeth and Zora, as you are kind of... Scoping out the ship, you are approaching the cantina and grill in the back, and you hear a clattering back there. Seems like someone or something in, back in the, the cantina. Hmm, let's be more cautious. This gand is always cautious. That works. So I guess I pull out my stun baton again. Proceed carefully. As you approach the Ma Cluster cantina and grill... Another hologram pops up. This time, it is a red-skinned Zeltron male. He has bright blue hair to go along with his bright red skin. He says, Are you ready to let loose and party? Welcome to the Maw Cluster Cantina and Grill. From Adar Rings to Zalaka Burgers, we got what you crave. And now, Zora and Zeth, please roll the Vigilance. Uh, what's Vigilance attached to? Willpower. One success and four advantages. Two successes. And Isol, you can actually roll Vigilance as well. You're just a little behind them. All right. Two successes. All right. So with the two successes each, I'm going to have Zora go first because she is closest here to the cantina. And Zora, you were certainly startled by this hologram just popping up right in your face, <laughs> inviting you to party. I mean, that sounds like kind of a good idea. It's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> but you are, even as you are, are startled, you're able to pull yourself together fast enough to react as you see two people who look like they are in the remnants of sort of cook's uniforms come running at you wielding butcher knives. So you get to act first. Oh, no. I don't know what the combat is like in this game so much. Like, do I try to do I try to take a defensive position or do I try to like, like dodge or what do I do here? Like if I'm trying to not get hit. You can definitely take a defensive position that would give you some bonuses. It's kind of the equivalent of going on like full defense mode in other games. Mm -hmm. So you can do that as a maneuver, which would then allow you to just use your action to dodge and it would give you like a boost die to an athletics roll to dodge out of the way. Okay, that sounds reasonable. All right. So roll me your athletics with one boost die, and that's going to be versus two purple. Three successes and one threat. Okay, so you are able to dodge out of the way, fringe fluttering in the breeze as you do, oh, yeah. but you land a little awkwardly, and so you're going to have a setback die on your next roll. Okay. Next, Isel, you look up from your the little mini dragon horde that you are putting together <laughs> to see... These two butcher knife wielding madmen uh, attacking Zora and Zeth and Zora dodging out of the way. All right. I want to quickly try to shoot one of them with uh, my gun, Biter. And luckily for them, it's still set to stun from last time we 
had a combat. Very lucky for them. Average difficulty. I got a success and a triumph. I think it was just a triumph, but that comes with a success. It does. So with this triumph, I'm going to let you hit both of them and knock them back against the, the wall. Their two knives clatter to the ground. Well, four knives total because each of them were wielding two. Clattered to the ground as they slump down. But before any of you can really catch your breath, two more pop up from behind the salad bar. <laughs> and they see that the Gand is still standing there and looking a little threatening. So they're going to be running at Zeth. But Zeth gets to go first. Zeth would like to turn around and throw his net to try and trip him up. Do it. Average difficulty again. One success... And that's it. Okay. So you throw your net, and I'm going to say with just one success, you only are able to tangle up one of them. Sounds good. So one of them tangles up, face plants flat on the ground. Does your net do damage, or is it simply to trip them? It says two damage on my sheet. All right. So he takes three damage as he, you know, hits the deck, leaving one still standing. Zora. You have one of these kitchen guys still running towards in, in Zeth's direction. Mm-hmm. Another who's still active, but he's trying to untangle himself from the net. So I guess I'm going to go for the one that's not tangled. Makes sense. I'm going to try and do an attack with the stun baton. That's melee. Two purple and one black. Yes, yes. You have the one setback die. Okay, so I have two successes and an advantage. Fantastic. And what was the damage with your stun baton? I think it was six? Yes. Yes. All right. So as the the one that is still standing is running towards Zeth, you just kind of stick out your stun baton and it kind of clotheslines the guy and he like and flips forward on the ground completely stunned. So Eisel, You've seen Zora just take out one of the the kitchen guys with their stun baton. Uh, The only one that is still active is the one that is just getting his feet untangled from Zeth's net. All right. I will attempt to stun him as well. Take a shot. Wow. Uh, Failure and four advantages. Ooh. So your shot goes wild. You hit a a light fixture, showering sparks down on the entire party. Luckily, the sparks kind of shock and distract the guy that's on the ground. So it's actually going to give Zeth two boost die for their next action. (laughs) So Zeth, your net is still tangled around this kitchen guy's feet. He's shocked and startled by this electrical, the electricity that is shimmering down around him. What do you do next? I take out my blaster and switch it to stun and then try and shoot him. All right, take a shot. Two successes and two advantages. So describe what happens when you shoot him with your stun blaster bolt, which is going to take him out. Stunt. Yeah, I just hit him square in the shoulder, and he just kind of slumps over. Ugh. Exactly. And all of you look around, waiting kind of for the next round to to pop back out, but all is quiet now on the Lido deck. Do they look like they were ship employees and not actual uh, guests? They do. Are there any snacks I can nab? (laughs) Yes, yes, there are. A lot of the food that is out as you step into the actual cantina, again, the effects of the air circulation being down is, is acutely smelled because the food was kind of left out. 
So it has all started to rot. Mm. But if you go to the cabinets, like in the kitchen, you can find bags of chips, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want something greasy and salty like that. Space chips. Yeah. So you're just going to explore the rest of this ship chomping on <laughs> potato chips occasionally, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. You see the, the cantina and grill. It's set up as a large buffet. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, you've seen these giant buffets that have salad bars and carving stations and there's a, a hot food area. As you walk through, the carving station was being used recently and you can no longer identify what was being carved, but you're pretty sure it was not an animal. Oh, no. And as you walk through, you see, again, there's smears of blood all over the place. But then all the way back in the corner, you see a person sitting at a table. And at first you think it's another one of these macabre setups where, oh gosh, somebody has put a corpse back in some weird imitation of life. But then you see them take a cup of tea and lift it to their lips, take a sip, put it down. They seem to be reading some sort of, of pad, some electronic pad that's in front of them. As if it were just a breezy Sunday morning. Hmm. Have we, like, figured out if the cure gas has started to, like, take effect on this floor yet? You think that it probably should have, but on the other hand, you were just attacked by four people wielding knives. It's true. We aren't sure how, how long it's going to take them to detox. Hopefully they didn't lie to us about its effectiveness. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> As you look at the person who's sitting back there, you realize that they are wearing uh, doctor's scrubs. Ugh. Scrubby. This gand waves and then leaves. <laughs> so Zeth is peacing out. Zora and Izel. Zora kind of does a double take between Zeth and the doctor person. Totally clean scrubs, by the way. Hey, buddy, what's up? The doctor looks up. And it is a, it's a human doctor, uh, a woman. She has her hair pulled back in a, a tight, no-nonsense bun. As she looks up, still holding her cup of tea. Oh, hello, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that, that there were others joining me for tea today. I'm afraid I can't offer you your own cup. Don't worry about it. So you're, uh, you're just hanging out here on your own? Well, it seemed like a very peaceful place to take a load off, as some of the below-deck workers say. Some people think that working on a, a ship such as this should be the lap of luxury, but they would be surprised at the sort of, of complaints that the rich like to come up with. So I decided that it was my turn to... Relax and enjoy myself under the lights of the stars and with a cup of hot tea. You, you do know what's, like, going on around here, right? Oh, I heard that there were some problems on the ship, but really I felt that it was no longer my problem. So you're uh, an employee of the Pulsar, too? Yes, yes I am. I'm really not doing well on my uh, quest to paint the Rebellion as allies of the rich and famous. <laughs> well, just stay here and... Don't follow us. Yeah, let us do our job. Oh, and uh, are you new crew members? I didn't realize that we had docked to bring on, on new people. Yeah, of sorts. We're sort of outside contractors. Yeah. Oh, I don't think the union will appreciate that. Ah, well, you know how it is. The folks up top uh, make decisions that don't necessarily always make sense. Or follow all the rules, but that's how it is. Oh, <laughs> too true. Too true. Well, cheers. She lifts her cup to you again. And then goes back to her reading. Zora does some finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's keep going. Can we, like, lock the door behind us, maybe? Uh, yeah, there's a, kind of like a security gate that you can pull closed. Because normally it's just kind of open, but there there are gates for when they do need to close it off. That was uh, kind of weird. Maybe she's cured and she's, it's like a relaxant when you get cured. Isil says, hopefully. <laughs> as long as uh, we don't get beat up. And distracted from our goal of rifling through the contents of this ship, I think that we'll be fine. All right, so you've you've pretty much gone through the Lido deck. Name a, a deck that you would like to explore. You have the next deck down is the luxury staterooms. Deck nine has just normal staterooms. Then deck eight is the upper promenade, which you know would have shops and such there. Below that mostly is... Things like the the kitchens and the med bay, which you passed and found very creepy, and more staterooms. So I actually have to peace out now. Okay. So the Gand will stay on the Lido deck with the dragon horde that Isol put together. Oh, good. We are getting close to to wrapping up, so I'll just have you... Is there any one cool thing that you want to find on the ship before you leave? Um, I think the Gand just plundered uh, those really nice soft towels (laughs) and the really nice oil from the massage spa, and I think that was really... Again, didn't come here with an agenda to make money, so... Yeah, the physical luxuries, I can dig it. Mm -hmm. The ship actually told you, like, where the laundry room was, so you could get, like, all of the towels on the ship. Excellent. Oh my god, and you just build, like, a big nest of them? Yes, that is exactly what happens. And you even get one of those large laundry carts, so you can not only load up a bunch of towels in there, of course... But the rest of the party, if Zeth is so willing, can use it to to move things as well. Definitely. All right. So that will be, it's cut for the Zeth. Thank you so much, Grayson. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Mm -hmm. I look forward to seeing the full thing. Same, same. So as I mentioned, we are working our way towards the the end of this. You've, You've disseminated the cure. So people are going to start getting better slowly but surely. So what do you want to accomplish before you get out? It sounded like, Isil, you wanted a chance to make the rebellion look really good in front of the rich and famous. Yes, because that was part of what Tand wanted me to do is uh, we were helping rich people too, not just, you know, the people who actually need it. Okay, so I definitely have an idea of where you can go. Zora, is there anything specific you would like to find? You've already got your your drug rocks. Is there anything else that you would like or you think that's that's good for Zora? You know what? I think maybe if things are really calm, Zora wants to look at like the shops for some really like badass ostentatious clothing. Excellent. That's where I wanted to take Isel anyway. So you make your way down to the upper promenade. You again go through that maintenance stairwell. And as you listen at the doors, you still hear some of the creepy things, but you're also beginning to hear people coming to their senses. You're hearing a lot of groaning, maybe some some vomiting as people are purging the toxin from their, their system. So it doesn't sound like a place that you really want to go, but it no longer sounds quite as madness-inducing as the way up here sounded. And you reach Deck 8, the Upper Promenade. Now, you're still at the fore of the ship, And when you step out of the stairwell, Zora, you again hear that music that was playing from the main stage when you first entered. Mm -hmm. The main stage is a two-story performance area, so you have reached the balcony level of that, so you can still hear the music playing. 
And then when you look towards the aft of the ship, you see that there is a cantina here. There's a there's the can- little Canto Bite Casino is here as well. And about halfway through the the ship, you see it's been blocked off. It looks like some sort of like a, a chandelier was dropped on this deck that blocks off the back half of the ship. But you can explore this this front half, which does have shops in addition to the the cantina and the casino that I mentioned. Yeah, let's find something uh, something something flashy. <laughs> All right, might as well, right? Yeah. And as you are walking past these shops, holograms start popping up, hawking the the wares of the shops. And so a, a holographic projection pops up, shouting, "Are you looking to invest? Invest in a timeshare on Alderaan? It's a lovely." <laughs> idyllic place guaranteed to increase your equity tenfold in five years. Perfect. Uh, another one pops up. Did you know here at Astronom's Company, we take the best bred banthas and run them through rigorous testing, feed them only the best feed and test the product to ensure we are only providing you with the best product. All because that is all you deserve. Uh, Zora's just like roll, like doing the biggest eye roll <laughs> at all of this. But in addition to these sort of scams that are run on cruise ships, there are fine jewelers. There is a clothing shop. Much of it has been ransacked, a lot of broken glass. There are actually in one place you begin to lose your, your footing because there are diamonds scattered on the floor like marbles. I'll definitely gather those up. Yeah, let's take a couple handfuls. <laughs> Since uh, we're funding the rebellion too. You know, they're probably just going to get swept up and thrown in the trash anyways. Shame to see them go to waste. Yeah, absolutely. So Zora, <laughs> describe the sort of swaggy new clothes that you are able to find in one of these shops. You know, I think that Zora could never part with the classic fringe jacket. Obviously. But I'm thinking maybe maybe there's a sort of campy like Western wear collection somewhere in here with a button down shirt that has some fringe along the chest area. Also, maybe like a big belt buckle of some sort that's like <laughs> kind of big and made of several different colors of metal with some like maybe inlaid semi-precious stones like a turquoise or something like that. Absolutely. What about sunglasses? Yeah, sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, you can't forget those. I'm trying to think of something funny that the belt buckle can say. <laughs> I want the belt buckle to say cowboy. <laughs> that works. Or uh, and maybe to keep it in Star Wars, I'm going to say like nerf herder. <laughs> well, that's kind of insulting, isn't it? <laughs> Only if you're a scruffy-looking nerf herder. Zora is kind of scruffy. You're not scruffy-looking. A little bit scruffy. I think maybe it says something in... Maybe it says that, like, in a language that... In a script that Zora can't read, like, from some kind of, like, alien font or something. I like it. Yeah, it's written in, in Shirawook, which is the wiki language. Wonderful. But it just looks really cool to you. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. And then, Isel, as you are picking your way through here, scooping up some some monetary funds along the way in the form of those diamonds, you come across the casino where you see that there is a very large man standing at the entrance saying, uh, you want to play a game, Missy? And he's obviously a guest. You're you're not employed by Pulsar, are you? <laughs> nope. Oh, thank God. <laughs> This isn't like a murdery sort of game, is it? <laughs> and he just grins at you, and his teeth are oddly pointy, even though he is a human. He's like, murder is an awful strong word, ain't it? All right, I want to stun him. 
Yeah, all right. Stab him? <laughs> You're able to do so with just one blast of your uh, your rifle. And as you do that, it, he falls backwards, and him falling backwards triggers the hologram for the casino. So again, the red-skinned Twilight woman pops up saying, Welcome to the Little Canto Bite Casino. Roll the dice at the Binspo table or try your luck at Sabak. Our automated dealer droids are tuned daily to ensure you always have the highest quality experience. Please note, cheating of any kind is not tolerated in the casino. Employees reserve the right to scan all patrons at any time. And then looking deeper into the casino, you see that this place is actually relatively untouched. You've been seeing a lot of those blood smears and stuff upended everywhere. But in the casino, most things seem to be as they should be. The only thing that's strange is in the very center of the casino floor, about nine chairs have been set up. And two of them are completely empty. And five of them have people in them, people who have died. And there's still two people sitting up in their chairs, and they look just completely traumatized. Their faces are kind of gaunt. It looks like they haven't eaten or drank in a couple of days. Plus, they just have kind of this haunted look in their eyes. And you see that above them is a scanner droid that you've seen before. You know, the two of you have been to some unsavory places in the galaxy. And this scanner droid is usually used as an anti-cheating measure. You know, it, it's constantly scanning people to make sure that they don't have some way of slicing into the video sabak machine or hiding extra cards up their sleeves. But you can guess that in this case, it's been hacked in some way to provide a much more lethal laser that was used on the other people. So you still have two very haunted but living people in this circle. And they are both dressed in very fine clothes. You guys okay? <laughs> the, the woman, it's a man and a woman. The woman coughs a couple of times. <coughs> who are? What are you doing here? Please, please let us go. So, shoot the droid? Yeah, shoot the droid. I guess I'll stop having it be on stun, though. That's fair. So, give me a roll. Make it an average difficulty. <laughs> I got an advantage. All right. So, you hit the this droid that's up there, but instead of destroying it, you kind of knock it askew. So it's no longer aimed directly at the people, but it has not been disabled either. So it could start uh, start shooting off again at any time. Please, <laughs> the woman coughs. Just, just get us out of here. Zora, do you want to try maybe cutting them free and I'll make sure the droid doesn't shoot you? Yes. Do I have any type of cutty material thing? Yes, you do. It's not on your, your sheet, but you would always carry some sort of utility knife. Okay, okay. Zora trots on over and starts to cut them out of the ropes or whatever they're tied up with. Yep, they were, it was ropes. So you cut the, the man free and he just kind of like immediately topples out of the chair. Like, it's almost as if it was only the ropes that were keeping him upright at this point. And he's coughing and heaving a little bit, but there's, there's really nothing to, to heave up as he just then passes out. It's too much exertion. The woman, she isn't able to stand up. Once you free her, she stays sitting, just rubbing her wrists and looks up at the, the two of you. You, you must, you must go. It's, it's, he'll, he'll, he'll come back for us. He must simply be, and she, you can tell she's beginning to panic. He, he's off hunting for more victims. We need to get out of here. It, 
It's fine. We we stunned him. Who is he? The guy with the camera. Isel, I want you to give me a charm roll because oh. you're trying to calm this woman down. All right. And then she'll, an- depending on whether she's calmed, she will answer you, answer you, Zora. Is it average difficulty? Yes. Wow. Two successes and two advantages. You see physically the panic begin to leave her. Her shoulders relax a little bit. She's still breathing a little heavily. And then Zora, she, she looks to you and, and shakes her head. Camera... No, no, the, the man who, who runs, who's been, who took over the casino. I'm going to take Zora's chips and give them to her. Yeah, I look a little bit mad, but <laughs> I let you take them. The, the woman takes the, the chips and then she just looks up at you, Isel. Who, who are you? What looks around and you're, you can tell that her sanity is, is coming back fully. Who are you and what happened here? Who I am specifically is not super important. Just know that the Rebellion sent us to help you. And that sounds like an excellent place to end with the knowledge that the the Rebellion is spreading goodness and helping people throughout the galaxy. And chips. And chips. (laughs) (laughs) And chips. So there you go. That is Star Wars Edge of the Empire. I hope that the the players had fun. Yeah. I actually really liked that. I'm used to only playing like high fantasy RPGs. So that was really fun. I'm so glad. So glad. For anybody that's listening, if you want to know more about the Pulsar Quest, this actually, the setting actually featured in the solo shot in season two. I will make sure that we put the exact episodes in the show notes. Uh, but the, the man that was in that photo that you discovered, Zora, that's actually Castian, who's the main character in the Solo Shot podcast. So if, if you've already listened to that podcast, hopefully you picked up a couple of, of Easter eggs to tie this back in. But also I hope that this stood alone so that anybody that was just that found this through International Podcast Month on their own had a, a nice little dungeon crawly horror tinged Star Wars story. We've got outros that are going to go here to promote our podcasts and other than that i just want to say thank you to all of the players today and thank you so much to everyone that is listening yeah and thanks for running it angela yeah thank you for putting this together it was my pleasure